<laughs> do you guys do you guys have good hacking around here? Do you get yeah, to play? it's beautiful. Yeah, it's Except really from nice. the pigs. Yeah. Oh, do they not like the pigs? No. <laughs> <laughs> Down on the Eyemouth Coast is a rising school with a difference, and this episode is going to be a podcast with a difference. Eat Sleep Ride CIC is not just a riding school, but a whole vision of inclusivity, respect, and sustainability. It was founded by Danny McKinnon, who you'll get to hear from, and she's now built a whole community of people and ponies that all believe in working together to support one another. This episode is going to be a little bit different because to give you a sense of what Eat Sleep Ride is like, you're going to hear from some of the people that make the yard what it is. The day that I visited was an absolutely gorgeous sunny day in November and as I got out of my car and walked down the hill I was instantly warmed, definitely not by the sun, but by the smiles of the kids that were on the yard. I have spent a lot of my life walking onto yards. It's a really intense thing. People tend to look at you and they think, who are you? What are you doing here? You're a new person. You don't belong here. And then I spend my time as a professional being like I'm here to see X her horse is called Y basically end up reciting my CV for them to skeptically nod and point me in the direction usually quite nondescript and then I have to go and ask someone else for help two minutes later because I still haven't found them but as I walked onto the yard the kids smiled at me they didn't ask who I was or why I was there and instead they just accepted me and pointed me in the direction of the porter cabin which was where I spoke to Danny. Danny thank you so much for joining me today um do you want to start off just by talking a little bit about what Eat Sleep Ride CIC is? Hey, yeah, so thank you so much for inviting us. We're super excited today. Um, so yeah, I'm Danielle McKinnon. I remember Kat from when she was <laughs> very little. <laughs> so it's lovely to see her now as a beautiful young woman in front of me with a focus. So yeah, Eat Sleep Ride originally set up five years ago with one pony and a rented barn. And we originally set up to provide riding therapy to disadvantaged families. So we recognise that accessibility into equestrianism is not something that families could afford and then over the two years at our last site what we started to recognize is that people were not really coming to just ride a horse it was much more about cohesion social competencies actually having something that they could be part of so just turning up every day and learning to be present and from that we kind of changed what we did and started doing a lot more employability training svqs use awards so use awards are a really big thing that we still do here and they're like an alternate provision to education so every um, svq credit Every SVQ is made up of SCFQ credits. What Youth Awards do is that they allow the young people to build up credits and then they get a certificate of higher education. So they're struggling at school, they can still apply for college when they leave. And that's been something we've used, the site and the horses. So we essentially give the young people the sites, we enable them to take an idea and move forward with it. And then the horses support them to be present and to work on their emotional intelligence, their empathy and their resilience. After two years of gathering enough funding to develop our last site, a week before COVID, we thought we would do something mad and we took on a reclaimed landfill site. So a year later, three and a half Arctic tons of rubbish, 900 bags of ragwort, 3,000 volunteering hours and 90 volunteers, we made the move to Pastures New. So now we have an off-grid facility, so we're completely solar powered. All of our buildings have been recycled, so they're all steel containers. They're porta cabins that we've cut down and insulated with sheep's wool. And we've built this kind of paradise for the horses. So we've built an environment for them that we're trying to fit into. And through what that's now happened is we now provide a range of experiential learning, equine therapy, 
Ride Intuition event space and it's a platform for creatives. So we hold a lot of community events, probably five a year, and a lot of them are centered around food and organic food growing. Um, at the start of this year, we started to also realize that what else can we do to preserve the legacy of the horse? So I set out on a journey last year to become a leadership coach. So we draw on the concept of biomimicry. So biomimicry is learning from nature. When we look at humans, we're slightly a bit like a horror story. You know, when you watch that horror story and you're like, okay, they're all going to die. What horses do in movement is they convene their young and they're vulnerable. So horses adopt a shared leadership approach to movement. So they're consistently navigating uncertainty, despite the fact they have social hierarchies. And horses leaders are picked on their ability to pay attention to themselves, others in the environment. If you've ever spent time with your horse just looking at what they're looking at, you start to recognize how exhausting it is. And horses need to feel safe when they're with someone. So when you ever go to a horse, a horse always has a look of discernment. And that is them working out whether you're safe to be with. So horses do this before they make a choice to move. And they have these four capabilities. There's placing attention, there's setting a clear direction, there's doing it with an energy that keeps the herd together in movement. And the biggest thing horses teach us is to be congruent. So congruent is when your internal motivation matches your external motivation. So we provide leadership engagements now where we teach people to adopt this shared approach. So we do exercises where they learn to talk horse, they learn to set boundaries, and they learn to move around with the horse in the diamond model and keep the horse together. And actually, when we do these engagements, interestingly, the horses become the young and the vulnerable and the people take on the leader positions. So horses don't just lead from in front, they have four different from the side and from behind. You can see a lot more from the back. Mm. So when we look at our systems now, we kind of have this man with the cigar approach, middle management, middle management, middle management. Horses have this innate ability to just navigate they know something needs to change that they can look to the next leader and that will happen to move the hair there's an unspoken word mm-hmm. that's mainly what we're focusing on doing now as well as developing the sites we're building off-grid tiny houses we've got a massive yurt we've got a bank of equine therapists and holistic therapists we've got yoga tai chi connection to breath and what we really want to do here is create a well-being facility it's a community hub that we're consistently learning from the horses and bringing their, well, how they navigate and how they work together into different approaches. So if we do community food growing, we'll make sure we grow food for the horses. If we do consultations, we're going to look at how we share that leadership approach so every voice is heard. So our biggest thing here is equity. I hate the word equality. (laughs) So a lot of our disability training we do is only from people who are disabled. So when we set up this site and we wanted to know if it was wheelchair accessible, we just asked loads of people to come down in their wheelchairs. Come and tell us if you can get about this site. Yeah. You know, when we do our um, disability training, the lady that provides it, she's cerebral palsy. Tell us what it's like. Mm-hmm. Rather than somebody coming in and telling me what they think it's like. Yeah, or what it should be. Exactly. And you know, equality, I always remember this image that I saw once and we're all equal. Well, a disabled user in a wheelchair can't get up a set of stairs. Yeah. So how do we break that narrative Mm -hmm. so we can change the future generations? Mm -hmm. And obviously our biggest mission here is to invest in children and young people. Mm -hmm. I totally believe they're our future. Mm -hmm. We need them to make the changes that's needed. And they also need to recognize the change that they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's not about us giving them a set of standards. What is it you want to see happening? Cool. <laughs> it sounds like, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great. Um, so you've obviously been on an absolutely massive journey to get to this place where you are now. What was like your sort of source of inspiration, I guess, to take you from that sort of like traditional riding school, horse riding background? How did you kind of make the leap to be here? Yeah. So I think for me, and 
you know, I was brought up in care. So I come from lived experience. When mm-hmm. I left my first writing job, I was put into a homeless hostel. Mm-hmm. And to get my stage four, it was really hard. Yeah. Like no one wants the cared for child on their horse. So you yeah. have to ride everyone's horses yeah. and you have to be brave and you yeah. have to do things that don't really align with your instinct just to get that chance. Mm-hmm. And I went down south when I was in my 30s and I worked for, I did I did some riding for Marcelo Tossi. He was in the Brazilian Olympic team, Coral Keen. I worked on a show jumping in an eventing yard. I hunted mm-hmm. for three years. I did a lot of things just to get to my stage four but I consistently saw the breakdown in equestrianism and people that can make it accessible yeah and England was a bigger eye-opener yeah than Scotland yeah just because of the amount of money yeah to the amount of people that couldn't afford this and then the language barrier between the two types of people that were using yeah. horses in a way yeah so then when I came back home originally before I set up Eat Sleep Ride I set up my first business for the Prince's Trust which is re- rehabilitating horses sure so horses to me always have a pain response yeah and that's how I started working with Sue Dyson and doing pain ethograms. so I built up my stage four got my knowledge of horses but I always wanted to give something back mm-hmm and I always wanted to create something that wasn't this traditional environment where people turn up and their horses presented to them. Because mm-hmm. actually horses are sentient. Mm-hmm. And we need to recognize that when we come and we be with these horses. So the concept of starting up a riding school where people got to hang out, be with their horse, learn how to groom and tack up their horse became first and foremost what we wanted to do here. Yeah. And then it was looking at holistic therapies, which has supported me. Mm-hmm. Why did I change to what I want to do now? I think in all honesty, I don't have the, the passion to compete. Yeah. And it's not about not wanting to be judged. It's about what I do with my horse as a personal thing. Yeah. It's what they bring to me. And actually, I'm just really driven. And I don't know if you've ever done this for yourself, but you have to figure out who you want to serve. Yeah. That takes a long time. Yeah. It's taking me years of going through who is it that I actually get enjoyed about? Like, what is it that sparks my excitement? Mm-hmm. And that's young people. Mm-hmm. And that's young people that want to do something in the world. And yeah. that's what gets me excited. Yeah. And, and helping them led, grow yeah. and be the best that they can be. And that's what led me to being this. It's what was my excitement factor. And yeah. I still enjoy teaching. Yeah. And I love being with my horses. Yeah. But do I think that the reality, can you make enough money teaching riding lessons without your horses working every hour back to back? Yeah. Probably not. Not yeah. with rising costs now. Mm-hmm. Or if you're small enough that you have a small setup. Yeah. So how do we continue having a large site but actually the ridden part of it formulates part of the revenue stream mm-hmm. but it's not what we're relying on yeah it's a bit like you know when you put something on your horse that's unbalanced it's a bit like giving them a fag <laughs> like you take a day off their life yeah because they're always compensating for somebody sat on top of them so have we got an opportunity here to help people be mm-hmm. more before we put them on top of our horses yeah and there's more to being around horses than just riding them yeah. um so you you mentioned to me before we got started that all of your horses basically have a story yeah was that I, I take it that was something that was very important when you set up that you wanted to kind of have this collection of yeah i don't want to see a collection of misfits but a collection yeah. of horses oh, all like that cause a collection of misfits that works perfectly <laughs> I think because I'd done the ethogram work with Sue Dyson and you know when I was back in and breaking horses I hate that terminology mm. starting young horses we'll yeah. say now I recognize a lot of the time I was riding horses through something that they I could feel mm-hmm. because you wanted to get results yeah because you had to get results yeah because that's how you make a living mm-hmm. and you know that's when I started to go okay how can I do this better mm-hmm. so like, even though my rehab business was quite short-lived and mainly because I then went and set this up mm-hmm. It's because then I got to the point where I was like, actually, I know I can do something with these horses here. And I know that I can take these horses that I see on Facebook for 100 quid or yeah. 50 quid or this one's got no teeth. Can you have it? And I knew from that work I'd done that I could take these horses and I could find out what they were capable of doing because physiology is massive. Yeah. 
You know, do you not look at horses a lot and think, okay, they maybe can't jump that jump because if you look at its physical shape, yeah, it's not able mm-hmm. to get over that. Mm-hmm. And that's what that bit of learning gave me. Mm-hmm. And then the other reason, I'm just being totally honest, is we didn't really have any money at the start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had to get pretty, horses from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to come from somewhere. So, yeah. you know, our first four ponies were free. Mm-hmm. The first one was £50. Pounds. He's mm-hmm. still with me, Ben. He'll be with me forever. And they were all laminitic. Mm-hmm. We've never, interestingly, ever had a case laminate this year in two years. But our horses are on a kind of track system. So they've got field shelters and carpet tracks. So they're not consistently on grass because mm-hmm. now we do so much over grazing and because we have such short grass yeah horses don't get the ability to forage yeah and that just led off onto so many different things like a lot of our horses here now do scent training mm-hmm. i've been on a scent training course it's amazing when you see horses scent the way that they have to use their diaphragm and the way they lift their back is how they would do it in the wild yeah but it's they're actually exhausted when you ask them to scent yeah because we've taken that away from them yeah because we domesticated them yeah they're all barefoot they're all in solution saddles mm. um, and they all do trick training at Equine Touch and Masterton and three of our young girls are now qualified in all of these things Cool, because they just felt that they had this bond and they could do more. Mm-hmm. So how many young people do you have here now? So over the last, since incorporation, we supported 90 young people into positive destinations. Mm-hmm. We employ 11 people, mm-hmm. seven of them are young people. So they're aged between the age of 16 and 24. Mm-hmm. They started here either on a therapy program Mm -hmm. or alternative education. Mm -hmm. We employ an equine therapist now and a counsellor and we're a trauma-informed practice because that's another thing I recognise is when people say the word trauma, they think, oh my God, something awful's happened. Trauma just means emotional response. So every day we're governed to trauma. Yeah. So how can we change this narrative once again? And a lot of the time we were working with young people is they weren't really able to express how they were feeling, but they could express how they physically felt when they were with a horse. Mm-hmm. And then we started to give them more opportunities. So we've got currently, yeah, um, 11 people working, six of them are young people, mm-hmm. probably work with about 35 children a month. Mm-hmm. So between the ages of five and 24. Mm-hmm. Something I've noticed, and it's something we've been working a lot. So I'm, I'm a member of the Scottish Care Alliance. Um, we were presenting last week at the Wooden Spoon Charity Dinner. Mm-hmm. We're members of Social Enterprise Scotland. So we've actually really expanded our networks to not equestrian networks, mm-hmm. interestingly. Yeah. So social networks, other organisations, care networks, so we can be feeding back into policy about young people. Sure. And we see a lot more referrals now for children as young as seven. So I would say that COVID's had a massive impact on them socially, yeah. removing that social contact mm-hmm. and then not really understanding how to play out their feelings because they weren't able to just hang out with their mates. Yeah. And then what I see with a lot of older people is we're medicating children very young. Yeah. A lot of the girls I work with are and boys, you know, when they're in their late 20s and they'd be medicated at 14. Mm-hmm. There have been, you know, serious suicidal attempts and things in their life. So we we had to really start to change our service to keep people safe, mm-hmm. which is why we got our wellbeing officer and why we became trauma-informed. So we started to just recognise this pattern. Yeah. And that's that that that's still something we're feeding back into now. Yeah. Um we worked out in the last two years, we've supported 330 families to take positive steps. So when we work with young people now, we work with the parents mm-hmm. or their carers. Mm-hmm. It does not work if you do not work with what's going at home. Yeah. So when people phone me and say, there's something wrong with my child or, you know, I don't know how to deal with them. I say, well, we need to deal with you as well. Yeah. Because there'll be something in your, you, you need support. Mm-hmm. You need someone that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. And we provided 2,435 hours of therapy in the last two years. And every Christmas we tend to provide community boxes. So last year we got some funding for 
food vouchers mm -hmm. because of the locality we're in we don't mm -hmm. have a supermarket in our locality mm -hmm. so we were then having to drive people to the supermarket yeah and last year we said why are we doing this we partnered partnered with mr neeps and we made up organic food boxes uh -huh. so we gave out 70 boxes but we made up recipe cards mm -hmm. so people had to cook yeah you know and they were sending it was amazing the pictures were being sent and we also made up games that you can play at home yeah. without money yeah so it's just a continuous inclusive environment and this yeah. accessibility of we can do things together without stuff yeah you know yeah and horses give us inspiration you know for me i love being confused because yeah. when i'm confused i'm curious yeah when i'm curious i find clarity yeah but we spent so long in our lives going okay i've made that decision i'm not going to think about that anymore yeah that's done that's done but yeah. that's just what we do. It's governed to us. It's the moment you must remember when you're a little girl and you walk into a room and someone says to you, you know, there's been an argument and someone says, oh, I'm fine. And you can feel in your body. Like the energy is not fine. Yeah. In this room. But there's your step to incongruence. Mm -hmm. And then you go to school. Yeah. And then you're in a trauma inducing environment because it's a pass or fail environment. Mm hmm. There's nothing like that with horses. They don't pass or fail. Mm -hmm. They don't have that about you. They just want to be listened to and heard. Mm -hmm. And that's what we all have the chance. I think every equestrianism or anyone that works in an industry has a chance to bring something more mm -hmm. and to recognize the skill set of the people around them. So, you know, the people that do the fields or mend the quad bike or bringing your feeds. I do not think equestrianism is portrayed properly. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think that the jobs in the industry are known enough to government. I think if you look at COVID, we didn't get any help. And why did we not get any help? Because people seem to think that we just tack up horses and you can just ride them in the field. And you can just chuck them in a field for six months and they'll be absolutely and fine and it. nothing will go wrong at all. And no one thought about the feed, out, the feed merchants, the farmers, the person that takes away your muck keep, the person that makes your wheelbarrows, the person that makes your tack, Mm -hmm. all these other yeah. sectors yeah. it wasn't heard of because when we think of equestrians then we just think people and horses yeah and that's not what this place is about yeah I guess that what everything that you've tried to do here is about allowing people to kind of find their place yeah exactly exactly whatever their place is exactly and that might never be sitting on a horse again but they might have drawn enough inspiration to learn how to be present to recognize what they want yeah and I think being around horses is so grounding as well like it brings you back in touch with yourself in a yep. way that you just can't always achieve without them well you can't you know they help you be present don't they you mm -hmm. know horses are only ever in the present it's something we definitely because we've got lists and we've got jobs and we've got calendars and we've got stuff yeah that we need to do and then when we tick off that stuff we feel great so we've done all that stuff yeah and then i'm gonna have a rest and i'm exhausted so i don't want to do any more stuff yeah but yeah. actually if we could just continue to be curious together yeah we could build such a better world yeah i guess that kind of that leads on quite nicely what is what is like your vision for the future both for eat sleep ride but also kind of where you kind of see yourself going as well so i would like to become sustainable so i'd like to move away from grant dependency mm-hmm I'd like to eventually get to the point that when our eco house is built, our yurts are up, our bell tents are up, that we become a destination experience. So people would come for corporate experiences. Mm -hmm. They would stay in the house. They would hire out the whole venue. Yeah. They would purchase things from our honesty shops or organic veg or horse poo that we're trying to turn into fuel just now, which is a mild nightmare doing it by <laughs> hand. Horse poo is the wettest thing in the world to dry. <laughs> <laughs> wait, we'll show you some later if you want I can't to see wait. So we want to we want to sell the concept, mm -hmm. you know, so we are a really good, I suppose, because we're off grid and everything is recycled and we're looking at ways to have electric cars. We're looking at ways to refine our water process more. We're looking at ways to refine our soil erosion mm -hmm. by rotational grazing and rewilding. I think it's the concept that in 10 years time I'd like to sell. 
Yeah. So how can we go to other places and say, okay, we don't need to draw from, we can draw from natural resources. Look at all this space you have. Yeah. What can we do more? And look at all these people you have. So you'll know yourself in the industry. Mm -hmm. People do it for a couple of years and they leave. Yeah. It's hard work because no one probably, because we're so busy doing, because courses are hard work. Yeah. You're knackered. Yeah. So when do you have the time to go? But is, is this because we're not encouraging a diverse enough range of people mm-hmm. into equestrianism? Mm-hmm. So there lies my question, because actually what we've done here is we've got a lot of people who don't ride yeah. because we've included that diversity yeah. within our programme. So how do we sell that concept? Yeah, I'd like to definitely be doing more leadership stuff. So now that I've been to America, I've got a bank of 10 coaches that are happy to work under our banner. Mm-hmm. I want to continue taking this into businesses. So next year, there's going to be a really big push for experiential learning, mm-hmm. destination experiences. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, when you go on a team building thing, it makes me laugh sometimes. You see these team building things and I'm not dissing any of these things people do, but it's like, let's go on a quad bike and all go to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> where's the where's the personal development yeah like so, where's the growth where's the learner yeah you yeah. know so how could you do a learning experience and then still provide that social experience yeah so what changes after the social experience that mm-hmm. people then go all right now let's go to the pub let's yeah. see how we have a conversation with one another let's see how this pub trip is different to exactly. the last one you know because we're not all sitting there having to have a drink to feel comfortable with each other yeah. actually we've, we've exposed ourselves because the horses have exposed what we really feel yeah before we even get to that point yeah that's all been amazing and so interesting. I had no idea like just how big your vision was when I came down here. <laughs> yeah, I think, are we, is there something in that that we maybe don't, I mean, I definitely shy away from public exposure. Yeah. And um, when I presented last week at the, the Wooden's Been Charity Dinner, they didn't say there's maybe 450 people there and I had to wear a ball gown and there was so much cutlery. I was like, no idea what, what to do, do with <laughs> so uncomfortable you know it's just not where I, I want to be and yeah. it's not about having imposter syndrome it's just that I know who I am yeah and you're like this is not my world you know and yeah. I don't I don't want to try and fit into a world but what I want to do is share the story yeah and make you know, a difference and make a difference and yeah. give people enough that you can go away and just have a change of a thought or attitude or just take a bit of time to think okay what could I be investing more in mm-hmm. which is hard because we're in a cost of living crisis sure You've also got to recognise that different needs for different people mean different things. And I think just to wrap up, this is the biggest thing I wanted to say is that this has been built on stories. And, you know, I pitched yesterday for the postcode lottery. And even though I've pitched quite a lot for business plans and investment, I still find it really hard. But when they asked me who my wider team was, it was really beautiful to say, well, actually, our merchandise has come from our young people. Yeah. Our Christmas catalogue has been made by our young people. Yeah. Their Christmas cards and their drawings have been turned into art. Yeah. These revenue streams have come from the people that come to this site. Yeah. I had a vision, but you can't, you know, you have, having a vision is great, but you need to look at your team and how that can be adapted or how that vision looks. Yeah. And what we're really good at here is consistently sharing leadership and mm-hmm. what is it people want to see? And then how do we change that? Yeah. And it's just always important to remember, you know, equestrianism has a, you know, has a, people have a thought about it, you know, and actually there was a really interesting survey done recently where a a large percentage of the population did not want to see horses ridden. That was in the latest um, beta survey. And that's a lot of it, I think, down to horse racing. But I think our public perception is so misconstrued. Yeah. And we've got a real opportunity here to show all these people that are part of the industry that are not necessarily sitting on a horse. Yeah. And, you know, my other top tip would say engage with your local third sector organisations, engage Mm. with your volunteer groups, engage with business development groups. I've got a qualification now in business development Mm -hmm. and I left school with nothing. Mm -hmm. 
and I've got two degrees now and mm-hmm. I'm two coaches mm-hmm. and I'm an international coach. I left school with one standard grade mm-hmm. and went straight into a homeless hostel. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the opportunity to do more. The human brain is amazing. And the more that you can listen to people and recognize what's needed around you, yeah. the more that you can build something together. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a, that's a great message to end with. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming on. Not at all. Do you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Stella. And I'm Mia. And what is it you guys like about being at Eat Sleep Pride? Um, seeing the horses and coming here to see my friends and just riding spending time with peg and all my friends and coming to see danny because she really helps me oh that's so nice how long have you guys been coming here um about four years about five or six now (laughs) and who are your favorite ponies ripple pegasus what's your favorite thing about ripple um she just generally has a connection with me like she hates everyone else (laughs) does um and she's just i love riding her oh I really like Peg um because I met him when I was having a hard time and he came when he was having quite a hard time when he was uh, feral and untouchable mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of time connecting with him and then we've got a really really good bond and Danny lets me do a lot with him oh and what sort of stuff do you get like get to do with the ponies when you're um here? we get to hack we get to generally do quite ev- a bit of everything we get to hack jump school mm-hmm. do a bit of everything yeah what are your favorite things to do with the ponies jumping so fun <laughs> jumping <laughs> i would say galloping but it's a bit deathly sometimes <laughs> do you guys do you guys have good hacking around here do you get yeah it's beautiful yeah, it's except really from nice. the pigs yeah oh do they not like the pigs no <laughs> <laughs> that's almost a bit of a sticky thing to get past <laughs> i've had to run the like all the way past them all before <laughs> for everyone else riding a bit about dying and you've had to like lead the way and be like yeah, guys you can come with running. me it's safe <laughs> running along the roads <laughs> what do you love about eat sleep ride the most um i like how like there's opportunities like youth club and there's events um that you can come to and join in and just the horses really mm-hmm. what's your favorite event that you've been part of here um be yourself day oh what did that involve so we made like we a had, dream catcher yeah, so people made dream catchers paintings and then you got to meet the horses with the people that we spend the most time so we had me with peg and mm-hmm. um, one of the other girls with Jem, one girl with ben mm-hmm. we're all different rounds we also had some we, coffee yeah we had tea. tea and coffee we had a bracelet making yeah we had quite a lot and of music yeah we had music we also had we had some willow weaving you guys get to do quite a lot of creative yeah. stuff here yeah. then yeah what's your favorite like creative things to do do you think um, oh, I have to say being able to like for the jumping events we get to make all the courses uh-huh. unless they're terrifying courses and then we get well, then we just have to stand and watch them set up all the jumps that we're going to have to yeah, set up, endure setting up things is cool yeah. you always have to you always have to hope that um, they're not going to go up really high <laughs> um, and what about you Mia what's your favourite thing to do um, I think I have to say my favourite thing is learning to be with the horses and learning about them. I, I've learned a lot about Peg since he came. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get to spend time with him and there were me and three other girls and I trusted to loan the horses mm-hmm. three of the, as many times as we want a week. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really fun. So I loan Peg, you loan Ripple, one girl loans Gem and another owns a wee new little pony Belle. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. And spending time with Danny is good because she, she helps you with your things. It's really good. Mm.
Nina, thank you so much for joining me. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you enjoy most about Eat Sleep Ride? Um, I like how it just sort of brings people together and we get horses that aren't really, they might not have been having like the best handling or they like not that much when they come to us and mm-hmm. we just make them into the most amazing animals. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the environment here, like everyone can just be themselves. Yeah. There's not, no one's trying to hide who they are. No one's sitting there quietly in a corner. Everyone's just together. It's like, a total safe space. Yeah, it's just a safe space for everyone. And you can just see it in everyone. Yeah, it, you can definitely feel it like when you walk in. Like when I came down the drive today, it was like an instant like nice vibe. Like, yeah. Good feeling. Everyone's just around. like, they're just happy, you know? Yeah. We're not like, there's no like people bullying anyone or yeah. none of that stuff going on. You just, you can just be yourself. Yeah. How long have you been here for? Um, I've sort of, uh, well, I knew Danny before Eat Sleep Ride. Mm-hmm. And then Eat Sleep Ride opened up when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'd sort of come um most weekends Mm -hmm. for the first like year Mm -hmm. and then I'd come down like three times a year until I was 13 Mm -hmm. and then I started volunteering Mm -hmm. more and then I got a job and now I've got a job and I come down twice a week cool so what is it that you do like when you work here then well it depends what's going on I do a lot of um riding the horses Mm -hmm. I love riding them I love riding the mental ones it's fun (laughs) um yeah I work with uh clients I really like working with clients. What I really like is working with the same client yeah. and seeing them grow. Yeah. Like right now I was just with a client who gets really anxious mm-hmm. and she was so tense when she first got a horse, mm-hmm. she could not physically put her leg in the right position because she was so tense. Mm-hmm. And now she's riding mm-hmm. beautifully around the arena mm-hmm. and she's not even been here that long. Mm-hmm. Just work with a lot of horses to do in hand I do training with them brushing stretches mm-hmm. I've done a course in Masterton which is a bit like Reiki yeah for horses cool I do a lot of that on the horses I always find something new with them yeah you can see how it helps them as well yeah I just do a bit of everything I just love that's what I love about it. it's not like I don't have one job it's just you sort of do everything yeah it's nice yeah do you want to explain a little bit about what Masterton says because people listening might not know um so it's there's a lot of different uh like exercises to it so it's basically you do different the main one that I like to use mm-hmm. is um so there's it's called uh, bladder meridian mm-hmm. and there are um energy lines that go through horses yep. um from right at the top of their head all the way down their back yeah over their bum right down to the back of their back leg yeah well, the bottom of their back leg yeah it goes the same on each side and humans have it too every single animal on the planet has these lines mm-hmm. and you just sort of run your fingers very gently along their like these lines mm-hmm. and you're not pushing or poking and you just run them really gently along just mm-hmm. so they can just feel like a little tickle mm-hmm. and it just brings their attention to that spot in their body yeah and if they're sore there they'll blink or twitch their ears or shake their head yeah most of the time it's a blink and then if you just stay there and you just hold it they'll heal themselves mm-hmm. and they'll yawn and they'll stretch and um they'll just do these different things as a release yeah and it's just amazing because i'm not healing them i'm showing them where they're sore like and they're bringing, healing themselves bringing their attention to the part yeah. of them that needs yeah so actually the whole point it's like they actually heal themselves i'm just helping them yeah and it's a really natural way of doing it yeah I think it's really nice of obviously when you get the horses that give you like the big yawns and licks and chews because you're like that's that's the sign that I want to see yeah 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 it's really nice to see who is your favorite pony or horse well we used to have a horse here called Luna Mm -hmm. and then I bought her so she's my favorite but she's not here anymore (laughs) um my favorite right now is Ace Uh who's Danny's horse Mm mm-hmm it's not really an easy bride horse. I just love her to bits. She's very like Luna. Yeah. She's grumpy mare. So <laughs> I love them. We're both mare people then. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Ace is my favourite. I just love that horse to bits. Beastly Bright is just a brilliant place. You just love it here? Oh, I just love it. I mean, I travel all the way from Lithgow. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't do that for a place that wasn't brilliant. No. No, I don't think anyone would. <laughs> just shows how worth it this place is. I've been getting the trains by myself since I was 13. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's every day is worth it. Yeah. Even if you go home, if I'm on the trains on a Saturday night when everyone's out with parties or with like all fancy and dressed up and it's me going back head to toe in mud <laughs> and horse poo and all that. You've had the better day. I've had the better day. Definitely. Yeah. And it can be a bit embarrassing sometimes if I see people that I know because yeah. I'm absolutely soaking wet or whatever, <laughs> but it's worth it every time. Yeah. And if it's what you love, then you're the one that's winning. Yeah. Definitely. 100%. Do you want to start off with introducing yourself? Yeah, my name's Bella and I work here full-time at Eatsy Pride. Hi, I'm Molly and I'm 11 years old. Hi, I'm Ava and I'm 12 years old. Hi, I'm Kaden and um, I've got a little pony here um, on loan. Hi, I'm Carly and uh, I'm 12. And Carly, you're going to start off with my first question. What do you love most about Eatsy Pride? The horses. <laughs> and do you have a favourite pony? Yeah, Jem. What's your favourite thing about Jem? Just everything. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite pony is Belle. She's tiny. (laughs) And what do you like about Belle? She's just small and (laughs) Small and cute. Yeah. (laughs) And she a good girl? Yeah. The horses. The horses. Do you have a favourite pony? Aries. What's your favourite thing about Aries? How he is when you ride him. (laughs) What do you like about riding him? He's good. I like the experiences that you get when you come here. Just like you get to do stuff with the horses and then you also get to like do stuff that doesn't always involve just the horses. Yeah. You get to learn like a bit of both. Yeah. Like what sort of things are those? Like you get to learn like how to tack up. You get to learn like how to lead and how to like care for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Bella, you said that you work here. Um, What sort of things do you do? Um, I take out hacks, teach people how to tack up and do all the stuff around the yard and spend time with the horses as well and... I mostly work with like the kids. Yeah. Um, and I do have a favorite horse. <laughs> Who's your favorite um, horse? Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just teaches me a bit like to be patient. Yeah. Because he's young. Mm-hmm. Are you kind of helping like bring him on basically? Yeah. Um, and how long have you worked here for? Um, a year and a bit. And what is it that you enjoy most about working here, do you think? Learning new stuff <laughs> every day. <laughs> like learning new stuff, not just about the horse I take yeah. it, but about like everything. Everything. Yeah. What's the sort of the biggest lesson that you've learned from being here? I don't know the biggest lesson I've learned, but I know like I'm, I'm more myself now, I know. And why do you think that's... Brought on my confidence. Yeah. Like just with the horses and everything. Yeah. And I've like done a DYA thing, Dynamic Youth Award, cool. part of like school and I've done <laughs> that. Um, what does that involve? So I had to create an event and I created an endurance ride. Cool. And that went on like a month and a bit ago. And you did you have to like organise all of that yeah. yourself? Yeah. I organized all of it <laughs> that would be a big job yeah <laughs> and what about you guys what do you think um I just probably would say like my confidence as well because like when I went to an older like at my other yard I mm-hmm. wasn't as confident but like here it's like bringing on my confidence a bit more mm-hmm. um what is it about Easley Pride that's helped you with your confidence, do you think? Well, maybe like the people here, like they're just <laughs> a bit more patient in that and like they'll help you if you need help. Yeah. And do they help you be yourself? Yeah. And what about you? Probably that everything doesn't come fast when you start riding. Yeah. It's really annoying, isn't it? <laughs> you look at people and you're like, you're really good. How did you get that good that quickly? But it just, everyone takes a long time, don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> How long have you been riding for? A couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what's your favourite thing about riding so far? What do you enjoy about it? The people. What about you? What's, um, what's the just getting thing? my confidence a lot more and mm-hmm. just... Is that what you would say, like, your biggest lesson is that you've learned? Is that yeah. Is how you've, like, built your confidence? Yeah. What do you think the thing that's, like, helped you with your confidence the most? Just, like, speaking to everybody and just communicating and stuff. Yeah. It can be a scary thing to do that. Yeah. Especially when someone shows a microphone in your face and makes you talk <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah. And what about you? What's, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? Riding all different, like, ponies. Because <laughs> they're all really different, aren't they? Yeah. And it's, it's really tricky to, like figure out what it is that yeah. they all need how how do you think you've like learned to do that like riding lazier and faster ponies yeah <laughs> and like being able to like get a feel for them yeah and see, yeah i get you those are just some of the wonderful people that i met at eat sleep ride but now i'm going to introduce you to alex who is essentially i would say danny's right hand man um, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. So you have just introduced yourself as Danny's Danny's Alex slash yes. business support lead head girl. Yes. What does what does that job sort of encapsulate here? Um, quite a lot of things. So because we are a small riding school, there are many things that need to be done. So I run the yard whilst Danny's not here. I do teach. I do training of horses. I'll still muck out a stable and do all you know the really fun jobs. <laughs> but it also means that I'm involved with kind of the back end of running the business. So grant writing, kind of dealing with suppliers, ordering, marketing, merchandise design, website content, social media. So very much a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and so how how did you come to work here? What was your journey? Started as every horse mad little girl, uh, every hour at the stables that could be spent. Um, then my first job getting paid, you know, like a tenner a day, <laughs> all the good things. Yep. Um, and then as I got older, I did take a full time job over on the west coast of Scotland. I really enjoyed it. Beautiful scenery, you know, lovely trekking. But after a couple of years I started to want something more and I knew what I really enjoyed was I enjoyed riding and I enjoyed schooling and training horses. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I thought my job was going to go. Mm -hmm. And I started applying to every horse job within Scotland that I could find Mm -hmm. uh, that I thought would take me on and didn't hear back from any of them apart from Eat Sleep Ride. But what interested me is when I'd looked at the website I'd seen about kind of the story and Danny's vision behind starting it and that it wasn't just a riding school. And that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. And when I turned up for the interview, the first thing I noticed when I walked in was how happy all the horses were. Mm-hmm. They were all really content. Mm-hmm. And I did had an interview. I hadn't ridden at that point in about six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of my interview was ridden and it was it was the most embarrassing ride of my life I couldn't ride this 13 hand pony um properly but we got there and I left and got back in the car and my husband was like so how did the interview go and I was like I think I've just got a job like nothing was said it was just kind of assumed that I was going to be there yeah so I started just before COVID uh initially as part-time staff and ended up as full-time because one of the girls left Mm -hmm. and essentially just watched my role change as I suppose just the more time I spent and yeah it was it was really odd because I never set out to do this yeah 
And I started doing more work with like kids with additional support needs. And that kind of developed kind of the third sector in the support role, which Mm -hmm. I never, ever thought I'd enjoy or want to do. And I'm now really passionate about. I go to a lot of meetings now for like mental health support for kids and working with other third sectors Mm -hmm. and I think everyone's always surprised when I turn up because I'm always so much younger than some of the other people there but I'm going I have two views of this I have lived experience yeah and I'm also now working with these people yeah and then because I enjoyed photography and that was kind of a hobby I brought with me Mm -hmm. that pushed me into kind of the marketing side and Mm -hmm. I've always been quite creative but never really managed to channel it like I've never been like an artist yeah but design website visuals merchandise practical things practical things making something that has an output yeah really inspires me I get really jazzed about yeah (laughs) I get really jazzed about it like designing even when we had to make like a roller banner and I got like a matching tablecloth with uh, like the running horses printed along the bottom Uh um oh it was brilliant I loved it yeah so like I'll sit into my evenings sometimes and Danny will be like what have you been doing I'm like I've spent all evening designing this thing for you (laughs) you didn't ask me to do this but I've done it (laughs) so yeah and it's been I've been really lucky that the way the business has expanded it's allowed me to do that yeah you know we've got more people now that are doing the kind of able to assist in the more practical things that's allowing me to support Danny more with kind of the back end of the business sure and we we've tried to have admin staff and we had like a like a cursed like two years of trying to hire admin (laughs) staff that never worked out so that's why it's kind of split between the two of us because it just it works better and we've worked together for nearly four years now so we kind of know how each other's brains work yeah 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 I get you I think it's interesting how you said like you kind of started in the sort of very traditional like I will work with horses and that will be my job type thing and how it's kind of grown do you think that like it was your own creativity that sort of allowed that to kind of happen yeah I mean I think it was I think part of it was being lucky with where I ended up at working I think yeah. I probably could have gone to another yard and ended up still in the same st- routine. still in the same routine maybe yeah. doing a bit more but yeah I think very much I think I probably would have found myself not enjoying that yeah after so many years yeah and it, but you'd get a bit jaded by it and yeah which is something I think we all see in the equine oh, industry is people that are just overworked underpaid and exhausted yeah yeah so I think it's really interesting I'm really enjoying working in an industry that I know a lot about yep. but getting to explore kind of other realms in a more what I'd call like a professional aspect yeah yeah um and enjoying starting to work with like other companies and that kind of thing is is really interesting to me yeah and kind of getting to like sort of holistically look at the whole picture of what goes on because like it's not just about it's not just about the horse although they are like obviously a hugely important part like it's not it's not just about the day-to-day running of the yard it's about everything else that goes into like building yeah. and running a business and there's just so much like I think especially like as the world evolves as well it gets more more complicated there's so many factors to consider and yeah the more you look into it you'd think even like tourism is pretty straightforward no it's not no it's not (laughs) I was on like a two-hour call with a lady from Visit Scotland the other day with all these avenues because when we might get accommodation suddenly the whole aspect of how I approach marketing tourism will change yeah which is not something I've done before I've never done accommodation marketing so I'm trying to learn now before we have it set up yeah um so you were talking about how your job role has evolved from kind of that traditional like horsey background into something that is sort of a bit more desk based and sort of less outdoorsy practical in a very different way yeah do you want to talk a little bit about like why that sort of started to happen for you so a big driving factor behind it was actually um my health just over a year ago now I started to started to just not function properly I was in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. um 
didn't really know why we tried to put it down to different things um and I was actually very lucky to have a friend who supported me through that because I actually probably wouldn't be where I am now if she hadn't supported me but what that led to was nine months of kind of questioning before I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. it's similar to autoimmune diseases but it's actually considered to be neurological okay so my brain essentially the pain sensors are just ramp right up all the time okay so things that ordinarily would not cause pain mm-hmm. are so so painful for me and some days it's things like if my cat comes and sits on my legs I'm like oh my god that hurts yeah and for somebody that has been very active my whole life that was a really difficult thing to deal with and yeah. when I was dealing with the unknowns it was countless doctor's appointments going backwards and forwards mm-hmm. trying to give a medication that wasn't really working yeah. still trying to manage my job full-time mm-hmm thinking that this maybe would just stop, not knowing what was wrong and trying to keep doing everything that I was doing. Because you were doing it before, so why could you not carry on, right? Well, exactly. And it's it's very much expected. Mm -hmm. You know, the equine industry is very much a, you get on with it. You know, you've been out at the hunt bar till 4am, great, you're still in at work at seven the next morning. You know, (laughs) you got the flu, great, horses still need feeding, get in. Yeah. And yeah, so my friend that was very supportive, she also has a long-term health condition. So she actually came to all my hospital appointments with me Mm -hmm. to kind of try and back me up because Mm -hmm. I didn't, because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. It's nothing I'd ever experienced before. Once I'd kind of got my diagnosis and we were confirmed that this was something long term yeah that's when we really started to make a change and I started doing things like working from home yeah so I had been doing my admin from the yard but I'd been doing like the horses in the morning Mm -hmm. and that was just proving too much for me Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of discussion that Danny and I had to do and try and manage it and it Mm -hmm. was this horrible like trial and error thing Mm -hmm. where I'd have to do so much in a day and go okay how do I feel when I get home how do I feel the following day okay actually I can't ride four horses in a day but I can ride three yeah today but today that might be different and tomorrow. that might be different and that was something that was so hard to get across to the doctors was they're going well what can't you do because typically what you see out of people with fibromyalgia is kind of what you'd expect at people with perhaps severe me you know it's people that can't get out of bed mm. and I have days like that I have days where I can't put my own socks on my husband yeah. has to help me put my socks on but because I was still getting up going to work walking 20,000 steps a day mm-hmm. working out all the stables I wasn't really taken seriously right? and having to then realize that this actually was something had yeah. to put a massive shift in my mentality Yeah, because I, I have my own horse. I still want to ride my horse and compete. I still mm-hmm. want to do all these things, mm-hmm. but I have to slow down. Yeah. And you know, I am not the same person that I was at 18. Mm-hmm. And I also, I had to make that shift to kind of protect myself and yeah. not try and do everything just because I used to be able to. Yeah. Or because you feel like you should. Or be- yes. Or because I feel like I should. And it's still a guilty thing now, even if I have to ask one of the girls, like, I have to be like, actually, can you come and finish the stables? Because actually I can't do that today. Yeah. It's having, I do find that having like open communication is really helpful. Like if I come in and say to my team, actually, I'm having a really bad day today. You know, I'm probably yeah. not going to be able to do that much. Yeah. But, you know, I'll help you as much as I can. Yeah. Is much more appreciated than just thinking that I've gone to sit in the office because, like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. You because have to, you have to not shy away from it because I think, like, when you are in that sort of management position, it's important to be seen to sort of be leading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been there. We've had bosses where you sit and think, God, what do they do in a day? <laughs> and I don't ever want to be that because I know it's a physical job. Yeah. And I know that if I'm having to take a step back, other people are having to pick up more yeah. for me. Yeah. 
So it, it is a difficult thing to, to try and work with. And yeah. that's part of the reason I am trying to do so much more to support the business in the back end because that is now much more of what I can offer yeah and luckily now we do have other people that can offer more in the physical side you know and can still ride five or six horses in a day yeah which is is great for me I still get to ride you know I still get to ride yeah bits and pieces but it's it's nice to have that flexibility yeah and it'll be good for your own sort of like mental health as well to have known that you've diversified your skills in a way and you're still getting to work within a world that you love and you care about and are passionate about and you're still yeah. contributing to it it's just it's albeit in a different way yeah because it was really difficult when I first got diagnosed and I was thinking am I actually going to have to change my job because yeah. I've done this for 10 years now and I don't want to just give up I don't want yeah. to start over in an industry I don't know anything about yeah you know actually what skills have I got if I had to transfer and then I was like well actually I've got more skills I could be putting into here yeah and I could be building here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good to know that I still, I suppose for my own sanity, have a sense of value. Yeah. That actually just because I can't do all these physical things, it doesn't mean I now can't do anything. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things as well that obviously the people that you work with, they'll always see your value, but it's actually really hard for you to see your value if the way that you work has changed yes because you're like well my value is that I'm really fast at mucking out so. yes exactly <laughs> and yes when suddenly you can't do that anymore it is it's really difficult yeah before we wrap up is there anything else that you would like to touch on or talk about I suppose if I had like anything to try and like sum up it would be always keep an open mind mm-hmm. and always explore new opportunities and make sure that you are looking after yourself because the equine industry does not do that for you and hopefully the industry starts to shift as more people take responsibility for that yeah and I guess I think the nice thing about your story is about the importance of like indulging your own creativity absolutely because if you hadn't kind of identified I don't know like your passion for photography that's taken you down a whole different pathway that was like one thing that you started to do but it's actually sort of expanded into like a whole other world absolutely and creativity is something that's so important to me now Mm -hmm. and I'm so passionate about it yeah so yeah find what you love do it and look after yourself and make sure you get paid enough yeah definitely always (laughs) we don't work for £3.40 an hour anymore (laughs) no (laughs) tenner a day cash in hand (laughs) it's not enough Alex thank you so much thank you oh man I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording and editing that episode my day down in Imouth reminded me of all of the reasons that I am doing this it's about supporting the talent and the passion that is palpable in places like eat sleep ride cultivating it and turning it into something wonderful The world of horses is such a complicated one and I think that if you've been listening to all of these episodes you are going to be building a picture too of just how diverse a world it is. Yes it's one that is full of tradition but is also expansive. We mustn't get too caught up in how things used to be or how things should be and instead we need to focus on what feels right and what works for us. Whilst I definitely believe that yards like Eat Sleep Ride are the future of the industry in many ways, diversification, a focus on skills, personal development, mental health and employability are all things that every yard and indeed every workplace should be endorsing. We also need to acknowledge that those yards that are results driven in a more traditional way within the industry, like in racing or eventing, can and should be workplaces that promote personal and professional development and also cultivate a climate of self-acceptance. It's easy to say that on some yards, it's just too busy to focus on that kind of thing that is fluffy and it's hippie and it's not important and it's nonsense however the only way to promote staff retention and good mental health is to do just that 
If we don't look after things, they will break and people are no exception. As an industry, for too long, we haven't treated people right and we can do better. If every yard gave me the feeling that I got when I walked down that hill, I don't think for a second the industry would be having the problems it is today. If you're interested in Eat Sleep Ride, you can follow them on Facebook and you can visit their website www.eatsleeprides.org to find out more. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Thank you.